now you're going to bring it up and, and just put salt on the wound? Will you stop yelling at me? No! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. No, no, you're making me nervous, but seriously. It's the T.C. Martin Show. No, listen. Is there a uh, you're making me nervous. Diagnosis. Uh-oh! And a foul! Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang! It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Thursday to you here, a thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Jam-packed show today, all-star cast today, championship cast, Hall of Fame cast, got it all happening here today. We are going to go guest-driven big time today because we got so much to talk about, specifically from a Las Vegas aspect as well, too. We got NBA playoffs to talk about, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright will join us, fresh off his business trip to Japan. You know, i got all kinds of questions to ask about Japan. What am I most concerned with? Probably the food. That's what I need to know. The flight. I mean, if you're 7-1, how's that flight to Japan? That's what I want to know. Probably really uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, probably not for him because I'm sure he went first class, but... You know, we'll find out about that. So we got the big seven-footer, big Bill Cartwright, NBA playoffs. That is happening, as we know. Big victory for the Miami Heat last night over the Boston Celtics. Thoroughly enjoyed that, especially for those that had Miami plus eight or had plus 14 on a teaser or had Miami on the money line at big plus money. Very nicely done. Tonight, we look forward to Denver and the Lakers, game number two of that series. Can the Nuggets... Pick up where they left off, continue their home court dominance, go up two over the Lakers. We'll talk to the seven-footer regarding that. Also on the show today, we talk PGA Championship, and we talk about uh, the PGA Tournament out at Oak Hill at Rochester, New York, our man on the scene there. Of course, our golf guru, PGA Tour producer extraordinaire, Scott Savloff. He joins us today. And then we move to the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, Chris Bosio will join us. Actually, Boz, we're going to we'll squeeze Boz in this hour. Yeah. All right. We talk Major League Baseball, the pitching injuries, ridiculous. Uh, hopefully, we have a highlight from last night's Astros Cubs game. Stop that, it. That is, that Numchuck loaded into the system, and we are ready for that. Don't tell me you don't have that highlight ready. That I have the highlight, oh, you, but I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want yeah, it. Yeah. Can I refuse to play that? No, we're going to wait for Boz. We'll play that. No. I want to refuse to play that. That was a great comeback by the Astros. It was, it was a great game. It was a great highlight. I'm so mad. But <laughs> I'm, yeah. With my man Todd Callis and Jeff Blum on the Astros television network. Now, do you see why I didn't want to take one game? <laughs> Nubchuck refused to take my food bet. I don't think I've ever had anyone decline a food bet from me ever on the show, but you I declined. I did. And you, you're a smart man because you couldn't even win one game. Not one. The broom was out. Astros swept the Cubs. You have no idea how hard it is not to just swear everywhere right now. And I even came back and I said to you, okay, let's, let's readjust the bet where you just have to win one of the three games. And when it was six to one in favor of the Cubs going to the eighth inning, I felt really good. And I was <laughs> like, okay, I should have taken that bet. And then what happened? <laughs> See, that was your perfect cue to play the highlight. 
I and wasn't. Did, did you want me to play it? No, well, I thought you wanted to wait for Boz. I, I did, but I, I, it was so good. And we're talking about it now. <sighs> Six to one. They go to the eighth. The Astros get a couple runs. All right. They come back. They have a monster ninth inning. Monster ninth inning. And uh, they scored one in the eighth. Right? No, they scored two in the eighth. Scored two in the eighth. Make it six to three. And then we go to the bottom of the ninth, and the Cubs go to their closer. Right? Bring their closer in. So excited. And what happens with him? Uh, the Astros have the bottom of the order up. Okay? You got seven, eight, nine. It's like, us isn't looking good. Okay, base it by Diaz, who's filling in for Maldonado. And Diaz, who had his first homer a couple nights ago when they gave him the silent treatment in the dugout. Yep. That was pretty cool. All right. And uh, so he gets on. And then you have uh, Jake Myers goes deep to make it 6-3. Okay, that's, you know, at, at this 6-4. Wait, yeah. Pretty, yeah, 6-5. Make it very, very close. And then all of a sudden, here we go. You've got Dubon, who is pinch hitting. Okay. For the number nine hitter, for Hensley, who's been horrible, uh, he works a walk on a 3-2 pitch. And then you now turn the lineup over. Pena comes up big with a hit. Then Breggy comes up uh, big with a hit. And next thing you know, we've got a rally going on. Then uh, Jordan, uh, they they actually walk him. Or no, then he, he grounds out. Then they have the bases loaded. And then Kyle Tucker comes to the plate with the Astros down one, and this happens. Tucker now drop base hit. Tigran scores. Here comes Bregman. Here comes the throw. Bregman will be safe at home plate. Astros win it. Seven to six. Lose your minds, H-Town. That's a sweep for the Chicago Cubs. You like that? See, you have two runs in the eighth, you have four in the ninth, and you come back and win seven to six. And now the Astros won seven out of their last eight games. Oh, yeah. And they sweep Numchuck's Chicago Cubs. And just think, Numchuck, you saved, you saved food. <laughs> I know that, that really pained you to play that highlight, didn't it? All right. All right, Scott Spritzer is going to join us uh, as well next hour as we talk handicapping the NBA playoffs. Maybe even talk a little uh, VGK with Scott as we get ready for that uh, game one tomorrow in the Western Conference Final. And Stitch Duran, my man in the house, is going to come in and we'll continue talking Lomachenko and Haney. And it was great to have Timothy Bradley on who will be on the call um, for uh, top rank and ESPN tomorrow night. And uh, so Stitcher Duran will be in the house, the trainer extraordinaire, to preview that fight. So jam-packed, action-packed show. So real, real quick, you, yes. said, you said Hall of Fame. I said we have a Hall of Fame cast. You, are, you had a Hall of Fame we, cast. We do. We got Stitches in the Hall of who, Fame. I was going to say, who all, is, who all is in the Hall of Fame? Well, Chris Bosio. Is Boz in? Well, he's in the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame. Oh, which you, which you created, by the way. I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Stitch, International Boxing Hall of Fame. Tim Bradley, International Boxing Hall of Fame, going in this year. Going in, but he's not a Hall of Famer yet. Yes, but he he will be in another month or so. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, is there anything else you want to say? No, I don't want to say nothing. So, there's no other Hall of Famers on the show right now. I Hall of Fame producer? Is it Hall of Fame producer Numchuck? You could be. You're Hall of Fame producer. No. If you want to say something, just say it here. I'm not going to sit there and play your game. I saw a post on uh, on Twitter today. Well, yeah. so congratulations. Mm-hmm. You know this is one of my favorite songs. I know. I like this. <laughs> nah, I'm not one to. Like, I, I know you're not it, one to brag to, to bring it up and that kind of stuff. But but I saw it. I had to say something. Congrats. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. I got the word this morning that the Nevada Broadcasters Hall of Fame is. Uh, going to induct me as part of the class of 2023. So uh, very proud, very thankful, uh, honored. And I think anybody who gets a call like that uh, or a letter like that, they are um, humbled to know that um, you're thought of in, in the highest regard and respected. So, yeah, very, very, very happy uh, about that. So definitely it, it made my day today. No question about that. So can I steal Jules' line? Because I, I I know we were talking earlier, uh, and I know she's at work. Yeah, you're in a hall of fame yeah. that you didn't create. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of funny. That is kind of funny. Yes. Yeah. I, when you, when you told me that, I was like, I don't want to steal it, but I have to. Because pretty funny, isn't it? It's a great line. She said that. Yeah, my daughter said that earlier today. Yeah, because obviously I did found the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame years ago, and so yeah, this. It's nice. No, I respect this. Uh, the Nevada Broadcasters Association have been uh, great people are in charge of that. Uh, Eric Benici, um, you know, Tony Benici, who I worked for for, for many years. And uh, appreciate the nomination, appreciate um, the acknowledgement. And uh, yeah, it'll be a big event coming in September. It happens every year. And there's a lot of my colleagues here in town that uh, um, who precede me, who have been in the Hall of Fame for a long time. So to, to get word today about that. Uh, I am very grateful and, and thankful and, and honored and look forward to the event coming up in September. So will our next guest from all of the tournaments that you guys have done so far, will he get in to the Nevada Broadcasters Hall of Fame? <laughs> he, I don't think he has the, the eligibility yet, okay? Because, you know, being in a Hall of Fame is longevity, yeah. as we know, okay? You have to be in for a number of years. Like in this particular Hall of Fame, you got to be in the business for at least 20 years. I was going to say, I think it's 20, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's 20 years. So he's got a ways to go that. But, you know, uh, I'm mentoring him pretty good. You, know, you are. And of course, uh, we're talking about the big seven-footer, the five-time NBA champ, and I'd rather have his his five NBA rings than uh, I would any other no- uh, Hall of Fame nomination. Big Bill Cartwright joins us now, fresh off his trip from Japan. What is going on, seven-footer? First, Mosaka, great trip, great people. Uh, I have an opportunity to watch some uh, Japanese um, uh, baseball. Uh, the uh, the uh, DJ League, uh, uh, very much fun, and I uh, got a chance to spend the week. But when I got back, uh, I don't know if it's my age or whatever, I'm just catching up with me. But I was exhausted for two straight days. Uh, I was very surprised. I'm, I'm back now, and to pound down some vitamins. And uh, ready to rock and roll. But I am curious about uh, Nevada Sportscasters uh, Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, uh, congratulations. Uh, and I'm just curious 
How long do you have to be a broadcaster in Nevada? Is that right? Yeah, so it's it's 20 years overall and a minimum of five years in Nevada to... Uh, to be eligible to to actually be nominated, uh, you know, for that. So, yeah. Because you have lived in Nevada for twenty years. No, you got to remember, my friend. Uh, I was here from ninety two to ninety nine. I was here, and then came back in twenty fifteen. So, you got to remember, this is my second stint. Uh, um, that is true. Yeah, see? So those years add up. And so when it was added up, but I really didn't even realize it myself, so I have 13 years on the air here in Nevada and um, 10 elsewhere between um, Sacramento, Green Bay, and Milwaukee, so a total of 23 years officially in the business, 13 of those right here in the great state of Nevada, specifically all in Las Vegas. That's, uh, that's, that's definitely impressive. That's longevity. People, people, people have been listening to you for that long. Can you believe it? And yeah, you know, they're they're uh, and they're still around. You know, I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with them, but they're still around. They're still listening, exactly. But you know, and and I got a lot of thanks, uh, thanks to you know, program directors, general managers, producers, engineers, board operators, uh, guests, you know, like yourself, who have come on with me all of these years in the various cities, and uh, and most importantly, the listeners, the listeners who have uh, listened through all of the nonsense. Uh, some good, some bad, some craziness. But, you know, if it's not for the listeners, you, know, you don't get the longevity and you don't get, uh, you know, the relationships and all that. So, so many thanks to so many people, uh, in- including Numchuck, who's been with me going on the last three years now, three and a half years now. And you, who've, who've been with me for quite some time. So, as, as a great guest. So, thank you. Yeah, well, well you're welcome. I mean, uh, you, you do a great job, and uh, we always have some curious uh, things to uh, to talk about. So uh, that, that kind of intrigued me a little bit. Um, so, um, you know, one, one thing that we should talk about today, and just very briefly, because I'm sure you've, you've, you've hit it, and you've uh, dove into it, and you've probably destroyed it, uh, was this... Uh, John Joe 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 Moran thing. Yeah, we 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 killed we killed him on Tuesday, and, and a little bit uh, on yesterday as well too. Oh yeah, we got to crush that fool. Well, what I'm what I'm curious about, and and I think it's really really interesting that um, with that, I mean the NBA has their own precedent, their own rules, their own regulations. Uh, they obviously didn't have any guidelines on this, specifically rules, because they didn't think anybody would be stupid enough to have it happen, let alone twice. But there's no law broken here, uh, especially the state that they're in. Uh, so that's the thing that I think that uh, is, is a little bit conflicted, because to that public in the sub to a lot of states, just waving a pistol is no big deal. And of course, the NBA has their own standards, their own thoughts, their own ideas, which of course I agree with because we don't promote any kind of gun violence, and uh, let alone 
a person of his stature uh, who's going to obviously influence other people, young people, uh, along with the NBA wanting to reflect that same standard. But in that state, that's not a a crime. So uh, that's the interesting thing. And the other interesting thing to me that was kind of tied up into that but this guy had a gun, and people were kind of saying, yeah, well, that's because of all that rap music influence that's going on that, of course, I found to be very humorous. Uh, somehow rap music got tied up into gun waving and uh, almost like in the 1950s that, uh, you know, rock and roll music was bad for people promoting, uh, you know, low morals or something to Ridiculous. Thank you like that going on. Well, so, uh, I'm just curious, what, what were your basic thoughts with that when you saw that happen? What were your basic thoughts with that? Not not the stupidity part of it, because I think that's easy. What, what, what were you thinking? Well, the stupidity factor goes right to the top for me, because this guy's a knucklehead, and this isn't the first time that he's you know, waved a gun. I mean, it goes back to, well, that we know of, that we first heard about. There's probably, you know, other incidents going way back when, but, you know, when he's flashing a gun in a strip club in Denver and he's drunk and he's intoxicated, um, and then you, then you're involved in, you know, a red laser flashing to the Indiana Pacers, uh, you know, bus, uh, there in the docks after the game. And you're doing stupid stuff like that. You're having to pick up game with uh, your next door neighbor kid who's a high school kid and you take a gun over his house and you, you know, threaten to uh, blow up his house. And, and his quote was something along the lines, I'm going to put the, your mama's house up in, in flames like fireworks. And he brings a gun and shows the gun over the house. I mean, so the stupidity factor for me, Bill, is, 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 is a one because like you said, you should be held to a higher standard. You're an NBA superstar and, you know, you should not be, you know, representing, I don't care what type of job you have, your occupation, your franchise, your organization in this manner. Uh, it's great that the Memphis Grizzlies say, Hey, you know, we're suspending you. We want you away from the facility. And I would love to see him, you know, get rid of the guy. Uh, he's a great player. We understand that, but he's got a two cent head. So for me, the stupidity factor reigns supreme. And I never have known you to carry a gun or, or banish a gun or show a gun off or, you know, pull up your shirt or, you know, uh, a, a lot of guys who are champions and have great character. This guy doesn't seem to have any of it. So for me, um, I, I would love to see the punishment even further. Uh, suspend this guy for a long period of time, and I don't want to see him. I don't want to read about him anymore, I, or or anybody who's involved with this type of nonsense. And guns are a dangerous thing, as we know. And he could hurt somebody. He could hurt himself. But there's no place for guns anywhere, anytime, uh, around a sporting event, inside a club, or anywhere, for that matter. That's my take. If you're the GM or you're the owner, and I, I that owner's name is escaping me right this second, what would you do with with this guy who's your star player? Are you are you keeping him? Are you putting him in therapy? Are you uh, are you getting rid of him? What are you what are you going to do with this guy? 
I, I would like to get rid of it because, again, you don't need the drama. You don't need the nonsense. And you don't need that type of, of, of publicity. And I think that's interesting too, because I think in that state now, I don't, I don't think it's got much of a chance in California or New York. Um, you know, different states that don't promote any guns. Uh, I mean, they would probably publicly it'd be a crime. But in that state, I don't think they have that same fear. And the, and the people there, they don't. They probably don't see it that way. I don't know about that. I mean, again, if, take the state out of it and, and take all that. I mean, just take the employer. Who employs them? If they have a problem with it, which is the NBA, which obviously Adam Silver does, and he, and he should have a problem with your players. You know, just think about it from a a public relations standpoint. Do you want your star players waving guns and act like they're above the law, especially after they've already served a an eight-game suspension, and you say, oh, I'm going to clean up my act. I understand. I'm going to counseling. And you still come back and you do this? Like, you know, do you want that? I mean, if you're a general manager, you're a head coach, which you've been in the, in the NBA, do you want that type of, of guy on your team? Take away the what he does for you on the court. But do you need that nonsense uh, around your team in your locker room? The fear that he's going to bring a gun in the locker room like Gilbert Arenas did? Well, I'm, well, for me, obviously, you and I, yeah, we, we're, we're going to agree on that. But I just don't feel like some states, some organizations are not like that. And, but the NBA's like that. I mean, that's really, it has nothing to do with the state, right? Or the government or the city. It, it, it's about your employer. Well, let's look at this year. This year, uh, there was two teams, and it's, this is a different subject, that were involved with players punching each other. Now, one guy didn't get punished. The other guy got suspended. So I think there is a different standard that teams have. And if there's, if there's a cry out or not publicly, I think that they won't do anything. Well, we know the NBA is going to do something because they've already suspended him once for the same type of crime. Or, you know, it's not a crime, but, you know, this behavior. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just talking about that organization. And I'm just not seeing that uh, organization feel publicly that there's going to be pressure for that ownership if they don't want to, to do anything. So um, I, I think that's going to be really interesting. Naturally, the league's going to want to do something uh, because that's not that's not what they represent. I'm just saying that, I, and I think that state is important because they don't have the same regulation of thoughts. Just like the the, the kid, the uh, college kid gets involved in Alabama. He's a great player, so we're not going to suspend him on our team even though we got a weapon. And we give and we give them to a friend, so nothing happens. Now that can't happen here. That certainly can't happen in San Francisco or USF. That kid be gone. But for that team, that kid was fine. That kid played. Uh, got drafted. So well, that's a different story. I mean, that's totally different. I mean, there's no video of him, you know, uh, handing the gun off and all that sort of thing. But when you have a a player who's brazen 
you know, like John Moran is and is waving around and thinking like, hey, and then again, actually, you know, saying that he's going to, you know, you know, shoot somebody and all this other stuff. And again, remember the Memphis Grizzlies, kudos to them because they have took it upon themselves. You know, the NBA hasn't suspended him a second time yet, but the Grizzlies said, no, we're not tolerating this type of behavior. So you are suspended from our team and away from our facility right now. So the organization has jumped on this immediately before the NBA has. What is we'll that? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what kind of, yeah. uh, of standard they have now. Obviously, we're not privy to conversations that they may have already had with the league. To be, maybe they've already told them, this is what we're going to do. And this is what's going to happen. And gave them the heads up to, to go ahead and, and suspend them. So, um, maybe that was going to happen anyway. So we don't know. I'm just saying that different teams have different standards. Different ownership have different standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already know what the NBA standard is. That it's a, it's a no tolerance standard, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, drugs, uh, uh, violence, obviously. Uh, so. Um, I just think it's good. I, just, I just think it's a really interesting thing because there, right now there is no precedence because who who could imagine anybody doing that? <laughs> right, oh, right. It's wild. All right. Hey, so, we, we only got a couple minutes uh, more left here with you, and there's several things I, I wanted to touch on you with these series. I know you've been away for a while, but I'm sure you've been watching it. But r- let's uh, just talk real quick about we have six NBA head coaching vacancies right now. You've got one in Houston, Detroit, Toronto, Milwaukee, Phoenix, and Philadelphia. Uh, I want your take about these openings and these coaches and several of these coaches, I believe four of them were actually former coaches of the year and uh, did not, their teams did not perform as ownership thought they would this year. When you look at Philadelphia, you look at Phoenix, you look at Milwaukee and uh, you know, Nick nurse just won a championship a few years ago with, with Toronto quick thoughts about the state of coaches now in the NBA. Well, the, Obviously, Detroit, Houston. Well, that's that was going to happen. You just didn't, you just not unable to win. And Toronto, Toronto did not have the talent to win. So that's an interesting firing right there. Uh, now the uh, other other two firings are really, uh, you know, Milwaukee just won a championship, and and you get let go. Uh, Philly. Uh, really bizarre. So, um, but that's, you know, I, I think Steve Kerr talks about the fact that, you know, you're, you're as good as your last season. You're as, uh, uh, good. If, if the players are good with you, uh, you're probably still good to go. So, um, you know, as we all know, uh, these coaches don't, they're not GMs. They, they don't own the team. So if there's a change that's going to be made, it's certainly a lot easier to change the coaches than to change the players. So, um, but it's 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 part of the NBA uh, NBA package. Look, there's uh, six to eight coaches fired every single year in the NBA, and I, I can imagine how many coaches fired. Uh, 
um, for Major League Baseball, but it's just that's just part of it. So, um, I mean, who's got the longest uh, uh, coaching uh, stay right now? It's probably the coach in Miami and uh, and Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Popovich and uh, and Spolstra, no, no doubt. All right, brother. Hey, we got we got to get rolling here, but uh, let's let's get you back on because I do want to hear more about your trip to Japan. Uh, and again, I want to talk to you about these NBA playoffs uh, as well, real quick. What you got tonight? Denver, they go up 2-0, or you think the Lakers get one tonight in Denver? I think the Lakers are going to win tonight. You know, I just uh, was really sick and tired of that game. And after the game, they were talking about, you know, we, we couldn't uh, um, we couldn't score the way we wanted to score. And it's like, would you score like I was shooting and, and 32 points? Are you kidding me? You guys are going to stop anybody. You gotta be screaming at your DC going right now. Can somebody get a stop? Yeah, tell that to Boston. <laughs> tell it to Boston. Look what Miami did to him last night. They put up forty five on him in the third quarter. Forty five. Uh, Are you kidding me? Or was it what forty six? They blasted him. Hilarious. Somebody get a stop. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Crazy stuff. All right, man. Uh, we will we will reconvene next week and uh, talk uh, some NBA playoffs with you. Enjoy, uh, recuperate, rest over the weekend. And your boy Scott Savloff, he's coming up next. Is going to give us a live PGA Championship tournament report. Real quick, any any message you want to send off to Savloff here for us? I am going to play golf with Scott in Chicago and tell him I better be in the best group. He's giving me a crummy group every single <laughs> Wait a minute. Last time I remember you you were with Artist Gilmore. What was wrong with that? It sounds like a great group. No, no. Not, not the group. I mean, my foursome that I have that I play with. I cannot be the best player in the group. Uh, he sticks you with a bunch of uh, jabronis, huh? A bunch of ham and eggers? Okay. Well, just working steps like like us all, so nobody has time to practice. But uh, this year, uh, tone that uh, uh, tone my what Jake on his on my team. You want Jake? Jake? I want Jake? You want Jake from State Farm? Okay. Well, no, right. Just don't tell him that. Tell him I want Jake on my team. Jake. I'm not playing unless Jake's playing on my team. Good. All right, good. I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be your manager and agent again. Here we go. All right, brother. Be good. Recuperate. We'll talk to you next week. Get some rest. There it is. Big Bill Cartwright. The eleven uh, hour trip uh, from from Japan. Yeah, I think it was eleven or fourteen. Is that maybe fourteen? I thought he said eleven. Maybe it's fourteen. It's somewhere in between there. Yeah, first class. What do you think that first class plane ticket cost to go from uh, San Francisco to? Um, Japan to Tokyo. I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna say that Cartwright can afford it. Well, he didn't have to pay it for it. The, the, well, the Japanese yeah, the, club, the Japanese, yeah, because he, yeah. he went to go do because he used to coach there. So yeah, he went to evaluate them. What do you think it cost? I'll tell you. I know exactly what it cost. Take a guess. Seven, seven k, seven k, seven k. Double it. Really? Actually, thirteen thousand. Thirteen thousand for a first class flight. There it is. And you're seven one, and you know, got the sleepers. There. I'm just wondering. It's very comfortable. They have like extra, like if they have the 
Cartwright plane. Yeah. Where like, the, you know, his seat, the, the seat in front of him is just gone. Yeah. So he has that leg room. Could be. It's, it's, you know, he said they're those sleeper seats. So we'll talk to him about that next week. All right. We come back. We're going to go major league baseball. Chris Bosio is going to join us. Scott Savloff as well as we talk baseball and PGA championship. T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The Doctor is now in. All right, don't forget tomorrow, back at the Westgate, our Friday home at the world-famous Superbook, the non-smoking Superbook, the largest in the world. Las Vegas is the number one sportsbook. Great spot. Al Bernstein will join us tomorrow. Another Hall of Famer. There it is. International Boxing Hall of Famer. As he will preview Lomachenko and Haney. Al was on the call last week from that crazy fight that took place at the Cosmopolitan inside the Chelsea. So we'll relive that uh, with him and get his thoughts and predictions on Lomachenko and Haney. Saturday night at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Looking forward to that. Presented by Top Rank Boxing. And uh, coming up a little bit later on, Stitch Duran, my man. We'll be in studio as uh, we preview Haney and Lomachenko. And Stitch obviously knows both those fighters exceptionally well. I'm sure Stitch will have his ring jacket on and he will be in, in somebody's corner. I was going to say, is, is, has he been asked to be in, in, any, in either corner? I, I think he's doing the undercard. He's, okay. on, he's on a couple of the guys, but he'll talk to us uh, uh, about that. But uh, he wanted to come in today. He was available. And I said, absolutely, man, come on in. And again, talk to Timothy Bradley. He'll be on the broadcast, a former five-time champ. That was on yesterday's show. And that interview is up on the website if you want to go check that out at tcmartinshow.com. Great stuff always with Timmy Bradley. And always good stuff with Jacob Stitch Duran as well. So he'll join us at the top of the hour. But right now, let's talk a little Major League Baseball with our good friend, the former pitcher, the former pitching coach of those Chicago Cubs back in 2016, Chris Bazio. What is up, brother? Congratulations on the Hall of Fame. Thank you, man. buddy. I appreciate that, man. Way to, way to go. Thank you, thank you. You, you know a little thing or two about uh, Hall of Fame induction. So I'm just trying to keep up with you, brother. Well, now you're starting to catch up to me. Now I got to figure out another way to get in somewhere. <laughs> Boz, Boz, I have it. Yeah. Create one. All right. Yeah, create one. <laughs> I got one. People that didn't go to Folsom High School. Oh! Hey, you know what was pretty cool? I mean, I've had so many people reach out to me today, and I couldn't believe how many people classmates of Folsom High that I haven't seen or spoke to, Boz, since those years in high school way back when. And that was pretty cool. There you go. Yeah. Even, how about this? Here's one for you. And uh, I don't know if you'll remember this guy or not. You may. Maybe a mutual friend of ours, because I don't think we ever talked about. Um, Danny Reynolds, who transferred from Folsom and went to Cordova. Him and Mike McCullough left Folsom to go to Cordova. I, I still can't figure out why. Well, they were base kids. And uh, they went into great success as basketball players there at Cordova. Mike went on to you know, play at Utah State. Danny went on to play college basketball. Uh, those were high school mates of mine at Folsom, and they left. And, the Dan- and then Mike McCullough went off to be an executive with the NBA but uh, Miami, Miami Heat, yeah, Miami Heat. So there you go. There, and you and I have probably never even talked about that before. We uh, probably mutual acquaintances. And you, I don't know if you knew they came from that that uh, that great high school of Folsom High. 
Well, I want to thank you because all those two d- did in basketball was beat up on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, here's, here's this, <laughs> here's this six, three white guy with a brown hair afro trying to hang with McCullough, Connors, and, and Danny Reynolds. And Tyrone Johnson. Are you kidding me? Tyrone's another one. He, he, Tyrone came from, from Folsom, too. The little guard. Yeah. Talk about a fro. Well, Tyrone, Tyrone had a great fro. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to be Tyrone, yeah. but I just couldn't jump like him. Right. <laughs> that is hilarious, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've never talked about that before. But, yeah, you on the court, I could uh, – and I can't see you getting up and down the court. I mean, you know, maybe Boz wants to play a wing position or post up. I mean, maybe maybe you got footwork like Kiki Vandeway. I mean, that that that's that's a compliment. But yeah, TC. Uh, yeah, <laughs> on the basketball court back in the day, I would slam right over the top of you. <laughs> back in the day, that was that was sixteen knee operations ago. It's probably why I'm. I'm sitting here with 16 and counting. Exactly. Well, I don't know. I probably would guard you, but I don't know about, you know, you know, having the hops to jump over me. I, I usually played, you know, uh, top of the key to top of the key, Boz. You know, I wanted to hang out. You know, they didn't have a three-point line back then, but I, I wanted to hang out and just, you know, give me the ball, let me shoot from 25 or 30. That was my game. That didn't well, that you. was that, that was all your energy getting up a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, shout out to Danny Reynolds and uh, and Mike McCullough, and um, like you said, you named a couple other guys too. Connors, uh, tremendous. Yeah, yeah, you're Cordova Lancers. Yeah, see, I mean, you didn't even know. No, we thought we just had a rivalry just on the baseball field there, but uh, yeah, Cordova take, taking our players. What exactly happened at Folsom for all these players to migrate away from you? You know, really, what it was at that point in time. So those were base kids, right? And those kids, it made the Air Force. Base. Oh, I know. And and so so they were they but were bussed in to Folsom. You know, the half hour ride basically on the bus every morning. And at that point in time, our basketball program wasn't real good. Uh, we had a coach that had been there for phew, twenty plus years, and I just those guys felt like, hey, you know, I got a chance to play closer to where I'm living. We know it's a better program, and you know, got a chance to go to. You know, uh, you know, play up uh, a, a couple divisions. They got a chance to compete for you know CIF section championships. So yeah, that's it. I mean, really, no different than you know players today. But it, as you know, that was very rare back in those days for players to transfer. I mean, man, you had to go through all kinds of red tape. And even when I was coaching, man, when I had kids that wanted to come play for me, I mean, I, the the CIF they would give me. All kinds of, of hard times saying, is this kid living in your district and this and that, blah, blah, blah. It's like, hey, no, the kid just wants to come play for me, you know, wants to come play for a better program, you know. But as well, you know, that, that was, that was very tough back in those days to do. That was, we, you got to think about the coaches that we have. Online Castro and football started that mm-hmm. literally a recruiting trip from all over the country. And then Hub Morphew was the, the architect of the basketball program at Cordova, getting all these players to come to Cordova. Yeah, that was Hub. Yeah. Hey, all right, Boz. We don't got much uh, time with you today because we got to get out to our our golf gurus on the course there at it, 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 uh, Oak Hill uh, for the PGA Championship. And I know you're a golf guy yourself, but we got to talk about these pitching injuries here, man. I mean, Drew Rasmussen, Tampa Bay, flexor strain. Sixto Sanchez, Florida, 
out. This guy's been out since 2021. Jose Alvarado, out. Uh, Antonio Sansella, uh, out. Forearm injury. What a shocker, right? Kyle Wright and Max Freed, both with Atlanta. Arm injuries, out. Herman Ver, uh, Marquez, Colorado. That's just a few off the top of my head. What's going on? You called this, my friend. You called this that we're going to have more and more pitching injuries early on in the season. Have you ever seen anything like it? No. I, it's absolutely incredible. The last time I saw anything like this was when the split finger was introduced to players. Yeah. That's when the last time I saw it because guys were getting wrist and then elbow issues. We had we had Tim Leary on our team and Tim Tim came down with it. You know, he was talking about it and I was like, Well why do you why do you throw it? He goes, I, I have to to get guys out. Do you blame Bruce Suter for all that? He was he was the master of the split finger fastball, right? No, I don't blame blame Bruce. It's just the way you throw it. You know, but it's it's just unbelievable, you know, what we talked about a couple months ago and where we're at right now because, you see, this isn't over. Yep. You know, once the, once the water's going, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to turn off. And I don't think there's any way you can. Let, let me ask you this. I mean, has there been this many injuries in the past, but maybe we just weren't hearing about it? Because, you know, now it's social media, everything else, you hear more about it. Or, but do we just, you know, hear more of it now because of, you know, of that aspect. And then so many other pitchers just kind of pitched through those injuries before, like yourself back in the day. No, the numbers, they would have come up. Some overly smart person would be sitting there running the numbers on when's the last time we had this many Tommy John injuries, because what they're going to do is they're going to categorize it. There's a, Oh, one guy's got a flexor tendon. One guy's got a lat pull. You know what? It's either in the shoulder rotator cuff or basically it's the Tommy John. Because if it's in the, if it's in the lap, it's going to get into the shoulder. Most of the time, if guys' shoulders are broad enough, then they're going to, the load's going to be on the elbow. And if their shoulders aren't broad enough, then the load's going to be on the shoulder. You got to look at the body type and, and you can determine which guy had what just looking at body type. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, and again, I hate to say it, man, but this, it's not going away. Yeah. It's not going away, and you're gonna, we're going to lose, and we've already lost some of the best pitching in Major League Baseball, and it's just it's a head shaker. Yeah. It's not unbelievable anymore. Yeah. It's, you, know, you can't say enough about it. You know? I mean, it's, it's, affecting, it's literally affecting these guys' careers, mm-hmm. not to mention the, the standing. This is one of those years again that you honestly can say, you know, I have no idea who's going to win the World Series because I don't know who's going to be left. Right. Who's going to be healthy enough? You're, you're right. Uh, final thing here, Boz. Talk about Justin Verlander's uh, first start as a Met. He got booed off the mound. His stuff did not look good. Another guy that's coming off injury and, of course, you know, World Series champion with the Astros last year. But what were your thoughts about Verlander's first start? You know, I watched it, and he's – Justin's got a certain flow that he had with the Houston catchers. And it's not there. You know, even though they want to try to get on the right side as far as setup, 
This is where I want you. After this pitch, we do this. Fastball counts. I'm going to throw my little cutter. I want to throw that up and away heater. It's just not working. Mm-hmm. It's not working. He's going to have to have a cupcake of a schedule to get by. Um, I think Justin's in for a rough year. And it's funny. I think he's in for a rough year. And we see, we've seen this so many times with guys that had great careers with other teams and they leave for the money. And for some reason, it doesn't work out. They're not as good or not as, as effective, especially in that, uh, you know, that very first year with a new team. Craziness, but yeah. yeah, very rarely do you see guys have success in the first year on a free agent transfer or a trade. It's just, it's so difficult because the, the catchers, man, they know everything about you. They know what to do in certain spots, big spots, you know, big stadium spots. It's not going to be the same when you're in Oakland as it is in Yankee Stadium. You know, you know what to do. You know how to play the crowd. You know how to play the umpires. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that takes a while. It takes, sometimes it takes 30, 35 starts to get to know a guy, but you know, he sure get paid a lot enough money to, you know, try to figure this darn thing out. Exactly. All right, brother. I appreciate the time as always. Let's get back with you next week so we can talk a little bit more about, uh, this, uh, Major League Baseball season. We'll talk about the, from the hitter side and, uh, we'll keep an eye on these injuries, man. I appreciate the time as always, man. And, and thanks again for everything. Well, again, congratulations, TC. Well deserved. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. Coming from you, that that means a lot. And again, hey, I've had a lot of great people in my corner, from producers to general managers to program directors, and and guests like yourself, man, have been with me for a long time. So, hey, uh, appreciate you big time, brother. Can you say numchuck? And numchuck. I gave him some Yay. kudos earlier. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, brother. All right. See you guys. All right. There he is. Always going to give my love. To my guys on the other side of the glass, no question about it. All right, let's talk a little PGA Championship, and uh, we go from baseball to golf, and our golf guru, Scott Savloff, watching very closely what's happening there at Oak Hill in Rochester, New York, about done for the day now. Scott, what's going on, brother? Well, I'm anytime somebody's talking about my Mets, I'm all ears. I I kind of forget golf and go right into baseball. We could do that too. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ver- I, I was have, sad to I've see got- Verlander leave Houston, man. I mean, everybody in Houston, they didn't want to see him go, but his wife says, no, let's go to New York. Let's, let's take the big dollars. Let's take the big market. And we're going, you might not have that same success. And sure enough, what happens gets injured early. He gets blown up as you saw in his last start a few days ago the guy should have stayed there with his throws man just relax the <laughs> throws aren't playing you know great ball yet they're, they're coming around yeah. Mets will be coming around they, they, they've been struggling playing pitiful ball last night Mets came back and it, first time all year the Mets have come back with, with some pizzazz and uh and and then they win again today against Tampa. Uh, you know, just letting you know, Tampa okay. Bay, best right. team in baseball. Mets take two out of three. Don't don't be don't be thinking Justin Verlander is going to fall asleep at the wheel. He'll come back and have another great outing. It all depends upon you know a lot of other factors. But but that that's a different topic. I I thought we were going to have to revive you. I'm so thrilled to hear from you. I thought I was gonna have to revive you after your boy Steph lost. <laughs> I, I thought you you'd be seeking 
counseling somewhere and I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm offering golf news. Like, look, don't talk basketball, man. Think happy thoughts, like, uh, like happy Gilmore. Happy thoughts. I like Let's that. Let's talk PGA. That's good. Be happy thoughts. I like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I was, uh, it, it hit me hard. I was in mourning for a while. So now, and now you're back. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm back, and now I'm I'm rooting for the Nuggets to take care of business against the Lakers. That's what I'm doing, and and uh, I love what you're Yoke- such a LeBron hater. Yeah, yes, it's all much. about love, man. <laughs> he, LeBron loves the PGA Championship. He's probably asking, "Where's TC? Where's that update on on what's going on?" And and, and here we are. Guess who's leading? Yeah, Bryson DeChambeau. Yes. All right. So give us a. Give us your thoughts here. I mean, it still feels weird, though, for me, Scott, of this tournament being played in June. And remind me, why are we playing the PGA Championship in, in – we're not even in June. We're in May. What am I saying? We're playing in May. What are we doing? Is this May or June? Well, this is May. What are we doing playing May, this tournament in May? I can't handle it. It's it May because the PGA Championship in mid-August – which which was a great decipher for the Ryder Cup teams, right? You you win the PGA Championship. That's where they would make the announcements to the full team. But it was so far removed after the British Open, it seemed irrelevant. And that's what the golf community viewed it. It's irrelevant. So they moved it to May so that way they're wedged between the Open, the U.S. Open, and the Masters making it more relevant. That was the plan. Uh, better TV as well. People aren't as, you know, just, oh, there's golf on again. You know, and by, by mid-August, they were kind of done. Mm. That's why the PGA of America moved the PGA Championship. But here you go. They love places like Rochester, New York in mid-May. It, 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 that's more of a hockey town. This is hockey weather. <laughs> this isn't golf weather. <laughs> Right, uh, yeah. so you got Bryson DeChambeau. He, he. Uh, we don't need no stinking sweaters. I'm bringing. You know, he's breaking out a, a tank top out there. <laughs> so who do you? And and but here you go. Here's another live tour guy. Yeah. Everybody thought was going to be banned. Boom! He throws a 66 on the board. Mm-hmm. So you got to love that. My guy Adam Scott. Got to love Adam Scott. Mm-hmm. Is almost yeah one stroke back right now. Gotta love him, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, classy dudes. Gotta love those guys. Yeah, Scotty Scheffler's right there in the mix as well too, right? So Scheffler, if, if you said it was Rom and Scheffler on on Sunday, you're not you're, you're not really going out on a limb, are you? Right. I mean those right. It's a long look. This golf course, like like a Baltusrol or a Wingfoot, long. Lots of trees. They, they may have taken down hundreds of trees since the last major at Oak Hill. It's still lots of trees hanging out there. Thick, thick, rough. It's a long golf course. The last time they played at Wingfoot, who won? DeChambeau. Yeah. Who does, right? this, so who does look- this course favor, Scott? I mean, what type of player and then specifically which player in this field? It really does play. If DeChambeau is playing at his game, like today, a long, long hitter, you have to hit the ball a ton because with this rough so thick, you know, you, you've got to really catch it clean. Dustin Johnson should be playing better. 
he should be in the, it, again, lo, I'm thinking long hitters, got, you know, Scheffler's long off the tee, Dustin Johnson long off the tee. You've got Keegan Bradley long off the tee. Guys like that are going to be in the, you would think Rory, but, but again, for Rory, long is not the issue. It's, it's, it's for him, uh, approach shots. He's got to dial that thing in at some point. If he gets that, he wins a, another major. Mm. Um, how, how about our boy Phil? He, he, yeah. he's hanging out there. You know, he, he, he doesn't look as skinny as he did the last time we saw him. <laughs> he's been eating well. I mean, you know, like, uh, like other he's people. Hungry. Yeah, exactly. All right, brother. Hey, uh, we got to get rolling. I want to talk to you next week after we recap uh, this thing as well, too. We did have the big seven-footer on earlier this hour, and uh, he wanted me to pass along a message. Uh, I know that oh, he's boy. he's coming to see you. Uh, the Walgreens tournament there in Chicago is coming up there on June the 12th. He's looking forward to it. But he wanted me to play agent or manager for him and say, listen, he's tired of you uh, putting these ham and eggers in his foursomes. He said he wants Jake. Okay, I don't know who Jake is. I don't Jake from State Farm or what, but he wants Jake in his foursome. Are you going to make that happen? You know, I do not. When I'm running a tournament, I don't even hear. This is just noise. <laughs> just noise. Now, what we do? We're, we're going to have a. I'm going to. I'm going to take some classes. We're going to have a rematch on our salsa dancing because that I'm not. That I'm not going away quietly. That that I will tell you. Okay. Uh, he 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 makes his complaints after he doesn't win. That's on him. <laughs> I don't see him pushing away on the buffet line. He's he's right up front. <laughs> well, I can't blame him for that. There it is. Just remember for that uh, that outing in that tournament. Okay, we need more salsa picks, more food picks, and if he's going to take a picture with a hat, cut the tag off. Okay. Remember Watch that. the tag and, and play with Jake. That's it. Play with Jake. That's it. I don't know who Jake is, but I got to hear more about Jake. All right, brother. Enjoy Enjoy the PGA Championship. We'll talk to you next week. How's that? All right, brother. Be well. There Thanks. it is. There it is. Our guy. Oh on, thank you. Scott Savlov, our PGA Tour guru, TGA Tour producer. So many great uh, television events that he produces and puts on his own tournaments. And, uh, yeah, that Walgreens tournament coming up next month with the big seven-footer. All right. We come back. Haney Lomachenko. We continue talking about that with who else? My man, Stitch Duran. That's what I'm talking about. We got him. We got Scott Spritzer. Handicapping the NBA playoffs next hour. That and a whole lot more coming your way here on a Thunderous Thursday. Lorenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che Itaca! Gol! il magnifico! Il magnifico! Il magnifico rettore! Live! Boom! Boom! Shake, shake! The room! In the entertainment capital of the world! What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! The TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but. Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo, Pifio. Messi la tiene, Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. 
¡Gol! is now in hour number two here on this thunderous thursday just knocking them out today first hour the big seven footer big bill cartwright five-time nba champ joining us chris basio the uh, former champion with the uh, Chicago Cubs, that 2016 team of the pitching coach. Always fun stuff to catch up with. And Scott Savlov uh, giving us a live report from the PGA Championship at Oak Hill in Rochester, New York. We keep on keeping on in hour number two. We talk NBA playoffs. We got Lakers and Denver tonight. We'll see if the Lakers can even up this series. Last night, how about the Miami Heat? Fantastic against the Boston Celtics. Mm, parody in the NBA, no question. The eight seed takes care of business. We got that to talk about and boxing. Of course, it's fight week in Vegas. And like we said yesterday, Timothy Bradley joined us on the show yesterday, the five-time champ at the light welterweight and welterweight division. Does a fantastic job on ESPN as their boxing analyst. He'll be on the call, the pay-per-view coming up Saturday night. But as we know, inside the MGM Grand Garden Arena, it is Vasily Lomachenko and Devin Haney for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. And who better to continue talking about this within our very good friend who spent uh, so much time right in there in the ring with the ring jacket on. And he's going to be in some corners because he'll be uh in a couple fighters' corners on the undercard. But uh, the, he is the International Boxing Hall of Famer, my man Stitch Duran. Not only of that, but the, as I always like to introduce him as the star of stage and screen as well, too. <laughs> What's up, brother? Hey, thanks oh, for calling me. Hey. And music aficionado. <laughs> hey, listen, first of all, yeah. uh, I'm not in the International Boxing Hall of Fame yet. Well, uh, but uh, but I want to congratulate you for your nomination into the Nevada uh, Boxing Hall of Fame. Hey, hey, but TC, let me ask you. Uh, how long have we known each other? We've probably known each other, I mean, probably going back, uh, I don't know, 10, 10 years or so. Yeah, I pretty much know. so. You know, when yeah. I was filming yeah. uh, the last Creed three with Michael B. Jordan, yeah. I wrapped his hands every day, right? Yeah. So him and I would sit and we would talk. And finally, I said, you know, this is my third movie with him. Right. I said, Michael, do you know my real name? He says, Stitch. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> do you know my real name? <laughs> he says, I don't. TC, really? do you know my real name? Of course I do. What is it? I call you Jacob Stitch Duran. Ah, you're one of the few, man. You know that. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw yeah. that at you, man. If you'd so. rather me call you Jake, I'll do that too. But nah, Stitch it, is fine. Stitch is fine. So yeah. you got it, man. Yeah, there you go. Wait, wait. Is this Stitch from Last Hour? Or, I mean, is this Jake from Last Hour? <laughs> oh, what, oh, Jake. What, what uh, he, was yeah. talking, he was talking about? Jake? Yeah. Jake, do you golf? By any chance? No, I don't. Uh, uh, I have got Car- Jake. Carla and Homie bought me uh, uh, golf clothes, but... Yeah. I said, man, I haven't used them since before COVID. Yeah. So I don't. No, I always do that, in, especially like I think when I first had you on years ago, I would be very professional and say, Jacob, Stitch, Duran. Yeah. But then when we start in the conversation, it's always Stitch, Stitch, Stitch. Yeah. And then, but no, I always, always uh, want to. Uh, but but some people uh, do, do not, well, they appreciate their first name and some like to get away from their first name. No, I don't mind you either know? one. But, yeah. you know, a majority of the people throughout the world don't even know my first name. That's and, true. And yeah. uh, this kid, Andrew Maloney from 
from Australia that's fighting this Saturday yeah. uh, for a world title. His, yeah. his brother uh, Jason fought uh, in Stockton last week and won a world title. Yeah. So they're identical twins. But yeah. I threw him that curve. Yeah. And, and I, he just choked on me. Uh, 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 uh. Well, I just know you're a stitch Duran, you know, but that's <laughs> pretty much the scenario uh, everywhere I go. So I bet a lot of people, not a lot, but I bet there are some people that don't even know Duran. They just know Stitch. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah pretty much. Yeah. So <laughs> Stitch. Anyway, thanks for having me on board. Man. Oh, hey, always. I always got to have Stitch on. Always, always, always. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, well, before we get into Lomachenko and Haney, because I know you know both fighters exceptionally well, uh, I know that you're a music aficionado like me, and we both have that Northern California ties. And uh, I know that uh, you saw uh, Carlos Santana uh, recently at House of Blues in Mandalay Bay. I'm curious, what was your take about uh, his latest uh, show? Oh, I saw it last night. You know, last I'm, I'm still pumped yeah. up, and it was nice because a friend of mine, I, I went to school with his father. Mm -hmm. uh, he invited me to the show, but he's friends with um, Andy uh, Vargas, the lead singer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he invited me, and uh, yeah, it was great, but you know... Uh, a lot of the people, half the people thought I was his brother, half <laughs> yeah. the other half thought I was him, uh, Carlos Santana. You look like and, him, man. Uh, there's, there's no question. There, there's some moments there. Especially where, with the long hair, yeah, you know? And I had my wife kind of trim it before uh, yeah. <laughs> before I went to the show. So, yeah, but that's what, but you got to go to the show. Carlos Santana is off the beat and off the hook. And, yeah. And uh, you were there, so uh, go check it out. Yeah. No, definitely looking forward uh, to that. And uh, been a Santana fan forever. Oh, of course. But I, I do not believe I. I have seen Santana live, and it's it is kind of a bucket list, you know, type of thing. Yeah. Huh! Hey, I mean, uh, you're a NorCal guy, man. Yeah. I mean, Santana would play a lot in the Bay Area. Yeah, I remember know, Sacramento. I, he played played a lot. You yeah, know, when I was in high school at uh, at the Merced County Fairgrounds, yeah, they played there before yeah. they were Santana, Santana. But right. I remember everybody had afros. Yeah, you know that was during that era. And uh, yeah, we were talking about Tower Power, Sly and the Family Stone. There you go. And, you know, everybody. You Those know, are my so. guys. All right, so who do uh, do people get you more confused with? Okay, Carlos Santana or Carlos Santana's brother or Edward James Almost? Edward James Almost all the time. <laughs> Because you're a dead ringer for both, oh, uh, especially Edward James. Uh, 100% with Edward James almost, you know, no doubt about it. And you it. know him too, right? Uh, yes, we did an yeah. uh, independent movie together, yeah. and I sent him a message, and I said, you know, it's nice when people stop me, they want my picture, they want my autograph, and then they think I'm you. Yeah. He says, well, people call me Stitch all the time. <laughs> so that's the fun part of my game. You guys are like dead ringers. Yeah. Seriously. I've 100%. always thought that too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Can we play a game? What a game. We need all three of them together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And have them just run around, same outfits and everything like that, and see who's who. <laughs> see if... <laughs> it would be difficult. It would be really difficult. Yeah. Because he showed us that picture of him during... Or from last... Whenever yeah. that was. Yeah, last night. Yeah. Last yeah. night. Yeah. And twins. I know. 100% twins. I know. Yeah. And like I said, then my wife Charlotte kind of trimmed the back of my hair because it was longer. And uh, But yeah, and then I look at Carlos and... His hair is long. <laughs> so, anyway. You're not as old as those guys, though. No. You're, no, young, I'm, you're I'm younger, four years, four years behind him. Yeah. You know, he's 75. I'm uh, 71. And, you, you don't even but, look 71, uh, yeah. man. You, you, yeah. yeah. I, I want to car. I'll, check his ID. It's 71. I'm not buying that. You yeah. know? <laughs> you know I'm bad with math. I'll, I'll get the numbers. I'll be like, <laughs> you will. He'll yeah. be like 84 yeah. to me. Yeah. Ask yeah. you trying to figure what that, out. What did you say? 64. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You're real bad with the math. Whatever it takes, man. All right. Um... Yeah, good stuff, man. Talking talking music with Stitch is always good. Talking movies with that. I did see the George Foreman movie uh, yes. last week, so I finally got a chance to see Big Big George. And uh, 
I think they nailed it. They they, yeah. they nailed a lot of the fight scenes. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm so picky with that, you know, especially you know, in biography type of things, you know. No, I agree. And you know, I went to the pre-screening and people asked me about it. And the guy that played Muhammad Ali didn't look like him. The guy that played yeah. George Foreman didn't look like him. Mm. But the storyline was good. Yes. I, I got to give him credit. And and uh, Forrest Whitaker is playing Doc Brodus. Yes. And I don't even know if you know who Doc Brodus oh, is. I, but, I know Doc Brodus back in the day, but yeah. but Doc was a lot smaller. <laughs> he's about he five was tiny. Exactly. About five two and about 140 pounds, right? And anyway, so I, I put that documentary together, yeah. Years, Boxer's Nightmare, yeah. and I was looking and I interviewed Doc Brodus for that documentary. Yeah. So I yeah. put it on on social media so people could know that there was a Doc Brodus that existed yeah. and he's the one that got George Foreman cleaned up yeah. and, and heading towards a, a world championship. So here's the funny thing about, about Doc Brodus and, and, and that story. So I'm watching the movie. And he never said Brodus. He just said, Hey, Doc. Yeah. And he called him a couple times, Doc. So I didn't put two and two together. That's Doc Brodus. Yeah. <laughs> and then till the end, when the credits are going up and then they show, you know, they show George and then the actor and this and that. And they put Doc Brodus. I'm going, that's not Doc Brodus. I mean, Forrest has got like 180 pounds on Doc Brodus. Yeah. 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 100%. Because <laughs> I remember man. Doc back in the day. I mean, used to, back in the 90s when I was here, you know, was, uh, spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. Big he, fan you of know, him. he was such Great. a knowledgeable man. Great trainer. You know, when, yeah. when it came to all that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad that they portrayed him and didn't forget him. Yes. You know, so that Good was, call. Uh, that was real nice. Good stuff. All right, man. So, uh, Saturday night, we got Devin Haney and we got Vasily Lomachenko. You know, Stitch, I've always loved Lomachenko. Yeah. And it just seems like ever since that loss to Teofimo Lopez that he lost a lot of luster and lost a lot of, I don't want to say credibility, but just we don't talk of people don't talk about Lomachenko, you know, anymore since that loss. And he's had a couple of victories, you know, since then. And he's a decided underdog in this fight. I'm very curious. What is your view? of Lomachenko, where he sits right now. I know he's 35, but again, we remember him just three years ago. We were talking about pound for pound king. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've always learned in this game, in any game, is you can beat anything, but you can't beat time. Mm -hmm. And and I was there during the bubble when Lomachenko fought uh, Teofimo Lopez. Right. And I'm, I'm maybe 10 feet away from ringside, and I'm thinking, what's he doing? He's not doing anything. You know, four or five rounds, and then he comes on strong at the end. Uh, but, yeah... You know, I, I was mentioning the other day, and I don't like making predictions and all, but I understand styles is how you're going to train somebody for something like this. Well, Devin Haney's a guy that moves around, has great, great skills, and Lomachenko's a flat-footed fighter. You know, so guys that are flat-footed fighters, especially now that you have age against you, it's going to be tough to beat a young kid that moves around like uh, Devin Haney is so quick. You know, so should be an interesting fight. I, I hope we don't see the last of Lomachenko. Uh, I saw him last time I saw him was when Shane Mosey Jr. fought uh, in Pomona. And the wrist wrap that I have where I put my swabs in as a tribute to Vladimir and Vitaly Klitschko right. from the Ukraine, mm -hmm. I wear their colors. And I showed uh, uh, Lomachenko that, uh, you know, I'm representing you guys yeah. uh, out of tribute, you know, out of respect to you guys. He had to love that. Yeah. And, and this is a guy that uh, was a soldier. I yeah. mean, he, he took some time off to fight for his country. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah. And now he, he's back in the ring. Um, we know Styles makes fights, like you say, and you get the situation here with Haney. Haney is, is the taller fighter. Okay. He's, he's got them by, by, uh, you know, uh, several inches and then the six inch reach advantage. I mean, that is really going to be the key to this fight. How much does Haney being the bigger, taller and and lankier guy have an advantage for him in this fight do you think well those are 
two of the three big advantages. Uh, speed is the biggest. Yeah. You know, and uh, so, yeah, I just. And Lomo can counter that because he, he's still got the speed. Yeah, he can. But, yeah. but when the guy that's flat footed, you know, the guy's yeah. going to be moving. That's, that's my whole scenario is yeah. somebody that's flat footed, whether you could counter and all that, then that's, that's fine and dandy. But mm-hmm. will Devin Haney be there? And you were talking about Lomachenko kind of losing a lot of the credibility and not the exposure. But in all fairness, Devin Haney's not really a household name yet. Correct. Great, great fighter, right. but he's just not a household name. Javante mm-hmm. Davis, not a household name, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so, you know, these guys got to get a good marketing team to just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. sell them as let them fight and have somebody to kind of promote them. Yeah. Devin Haney, 29 and 0, uh, lives in trains out of Vegas, 15 knockouts, uh, not a big knockout guy, but, you know, I think both these guys, they're really masterful tacticians. There's no doubt about it. Talk a little bit about Haney. How well do you know him? And describe him as a fighter and as a person as well. I worked a couple of his fights. Yeah. And a uh, good kid from Oakland also, right? Yep. And, uh, I mean, just a real, real, real quiet. You know, that's the thing I like about him. He's real, real quiet, but he's very confident in himself. And, and he trains hard, you know, so he deserves where he's at. And uh, so, you know, I, I expect good things out of him. Mm-hmm. Haney, do you, do you see him as one of these guys that, uh, you know, like a, a Tank Davis, some of these other guys who have these big entourages and that sort of thing, or is Haney, is Haney just a little bit more key, or low key, or has kind of the success gone to his head? Yeah, he, uh, you know, I mean, bless his heart that he could afford it. He drives up in a nice Rolls Royce <laughs> right. you know, to the gym. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know, even Mike Tyson didn't do that in his heydays, right? Correct. Uh, that he does. He has a, you remember Crocodile used to yeah. be with Mike Tyson and yeah. bless his heart, he yes. just passed away. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but Haney had, this one guy, I think they call him Church, that just, uh, I mean, just couldn't keep him quiet, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if they need that, right? It's, right. it's, it's just not necessary. Now, that was that church yesterday at the, at the weigh-in who kept running his mouth, uh, you know, or not the weigh-in, I mean, the final press conference yesterday. And when they were doing the face-off, it just, you just, you just heard chirping and chirping and chirping, you know, and talking trash to Lomachenko. It's like, you, you that need, must have been him. Yeah. yeah. It had to be him. Yeah. yeah of course. Just, but again, <laughs> and it's, it's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. It's not necessary. He's a great fighter. Battle. Yeah. And like you said, you know, he seems he's like a, a good, a good, quiet kid. Yeah. And he's not going to give you a whole bunch with interviews and right. that sort of thing, but he just wants to kind of take care of business and really. When you have fighters like this that are kind of quiet, Lomachenko is one of those yes. guys too. That and again, it took Lomachenko a while to, to you know, master you know English and that sort of thing. So, you know, the American fans love you know watching him, but neither one of these guys have really, like you said, connected. I don't think you know with the public, especially right. the non-boxing public, which is a shame. And that kind of you know kind of holds the sport back a little bit when you're trying to get these guys in the mainstream because they're fantastic fighters. This is going to be a great fight. But then when you have like the silliness around it and then they're not real marketable guys, it kind of hurts the sport a little bit. Yeah, you know, those days should be long gone. You know, the days of Crocodile and yeah. Mike Tyson and all that. But I don't know. You know, some guys have their own clique and that's how they want to live with it. And I mean, if it was me personally, I said, no, nah, I don't think I need that. You know, yeah. I think I'll just, uh, I'll just perform with performance, you know, yeah. and, uh, make my name that way. See, when Stitch shows up at his entourage, I mean, it's, you know, like Carlos Santana and Tower of Power. You know, it's guys, it's guys like that. You <laughs> know, James Olmos. Yeah, right. Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan. Right. Exactly. That's yeah, your entourage. Yeah, That's nothing it. wrong with that. Those guys aren't chirping, though. <laughs> I can hear them going, Stitch, Stitch, Stitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, 
You know, Haney's toughest uh, opponent probably to date is George Cambosis, who mm-hmm. he fought twice. Had to go to Australia to do that. And then kind of to your point where, you know, again, this guy really hasn't had like home court advantage or anything. He's had to go on the road. He's had to really, you know, earn his stripes. I think that's why he is kind of under the radar with uh, a lot of people in, in, in the general public. But, you know, when I look at this matchup stitch, I don't see that he has faced anybody with the skill set or the experience that Lomachenko has. How much does that play into this fight? Well, I think that's going to be the factor that's going to benefit Lomachenko more than anything else is his experience factor, being a good counterpuncher. And he basically has to be aggressive. And, and, uh, you know, Jose Luis Garcia, when he fought Mayweather, put him up against the ropes. Right. You know, that's how you, you, you take the speed away from a guy. My whole concern with, with, uh, that fight is Haney speed, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, but Lomachenko, hopefully he'll have, uh, a counter for that and, and hopefully he'll, mm-hmm. uh, use it. Now, as you look at it, who has a probability of knocking somebody out? And when I look at fights, I hate giving predictions because we don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You don't know, but what are the prob- probabilities of fighters getting cut? That's the way I look at or getting swollen. Right. In this situation, I think Lomacheco would need a better cut man than uh, Devin Haney. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Who's who's in uh, those guys' corner? Do we know? Yeah, Russ Amber is working with Lomachenko, and yeah. uh, he's out of Canada. Uh, he's uh, the owner of Rival. Right. And then uh, Bob Ware that worked yeah. with uh, Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's working with uh, Devin Haney. Okay. Uh, looking forward to it. Saturday night, MGM Grand Garden Arena. It is uh, ESPN uh, Plus. You can uh, check that out. It's Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. Stitch Duran's going to be uh, in the house. I'm looking forward to being there. It's going to be fantastic. I always love uh, watching Vasily Lomachenko fight. I hope it's like you, that it is not the swan song. But this is a t- tough fight for him. He has not ducked anybody. And uh, he's got his hands full. And he has a chance, really, to you know make... Uh, you know, kind of put a stamp on his career and say, listen, folks, this isn't over yet. I mean, if he can pull this thing off, then you think that all of a sudden now we start talking about Lomachenko again, maybe in the top three or four for pound for pound, if he can pull this off? Oh, if he beats Devin Haney, he definitely has to yeah. be talked about. Yeah. Of course, it'll probably be the biggest shocker as as we know it, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so there'll be a lot of good things said about uh, about him. And then you, you look at Devin Haney. Why did he lose to somebody that's 35 years old, mm-hmm. flat-footed fighter? So, you know, we'll critique it after the fight. This guy's got, you know, Lomachenko's got over, you know, all those – 400 amateur fights, even though he's only 17 and two as a pro. Uh, do you, do you see a 35 year old when you look at Lomachenko though? Uh, well, when I saw him, he looked 35, you know, so, <laughs> you know and, uh, uh, but, but you ring, know, ring wise. Uh, well, you know, I, I saw him when he fought the Ofimo. It would look yeah. at that. I haven't seen him since. Yeah. So this will be a telling, uh, uh, tale for him and to see how he performs. But I think it's going to be important for him not to wait. Uh, because exactly. if, if Devin Haney wins the early rounds, yeah. he's going to end up winning the fight. Lomachenko's going to put those in the bank early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, but I see this going the distance. Yeah. You know, and, uh, we'll see what happens. All right. He is, uh, Jacob Stitch Duran and, uh, Cutman Extraordinaire. And, uh, now you're going to be in the corner of, uh, the Mahoney's, right? Yes. Huh? Yes. Uh, Andrew Mahoney. Yeah. So this would be, uh, his brother, uh, Andrew or Jason won the world title, right. uh, last week. So if he yeah. wins, then, uh, it'll be back to back, uh, world championships for these kids and they go to Australia as the heroes All and right. nicest guys in the world. We got the, good. The, the whole team are just super, super nice people. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you usually work for good people. Yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a good thing about this TC yeah. is that I get to, uh, pick and choose and, right? uh, uh, see, well, you know, I could work this yeah. and 
I could work that. And yeah. so I'll kind of give you a little scoop since, you know, we are from the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, I did a show in Stockton over the weekend, right? Okay. With Jason Mahoney. Yeah. So the fight finished and I'm on top of the ring ready to come down. And who do I see? My man, Nate Diaz. <laughs> so I, I go up to him and I said, hey, give him a hug. I said, hey, man, who's going to yeah. be your cut, man? Oh, it has to be you. And that, only you. And this. Uh, well, his agent called me the other day. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're going through negotiations at this Good. point. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to work with him, uh, when he fights Jake Paul. I did all his fights, him and, and Nick, uh, Diaz when they, right. when I was with the UFC. Right. Uh, so why not keep it going? And, and he gets cut. Right. So he's gonna need a couple. Yeah. You know. So yeah. anyway, a little scoop there for you, bro. I love it, bro. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Nate Diaz and Stitch. It makes all the sense in the world. He yeah, can and then, that, yeah, the NorCal it, connection, baby. Yeah, well, that's it. And we're off on the two oh nine. Exactly. Right. right. So, right. so that, that's a storyline in itself. Yes. Right. Yeah. So. And and people recognize I mean, those guys recognize that. You yes. know, the you uh, know, those fighters, they recognize that. They 100%. know where you're from. Yeah, no, of course. That's cool. You know, I'm, I make it uh, known that uh, from the San Joaquin Valley. I know. I, I I think that's that should be on the back of your robe. Two oh nine. Oh, no, I got Planada right on my car. I know you got that. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. 209, baby. Hey, well, maybe I'll do that. Uh-huh. One of the negotiations with uh, uh, Seth uh, Rosenfeld is, uh, is sponsorships. But yeah. maybe I will put the 209 just as a tribute to you. There, there it is. And I'll uh, yeah. recognize that. Yeah. There it is. All right. There it is. You get TC underneath the 209. But it, technically, I'm 916, though. It's like MC, but, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like motorcycle club. Well, here we go. <laughs> TC. <laughs> My guy, Stitch Duran. Hey, so speaking of which, how about, has there been, there must have been moments in your career where you did say no, you know, to, to, to fighters about they wanted you or whatever. Did you say no for any particular reason, whether it was character or you just, you know, d- didn't, didn't feel the chemistry there? Yeah, well, uh, Audley Harrison, you remember him? He won the gold medal for England, heavyweight. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, so this was during the, I turned him down. Uh, but, what happened is I had gotten a call to do Balboa, Rocky Balboa, yeah. right? Is when Rocky fought his last fight. And, and, uh, I told them, I, Joe Cortez called me, the referee. Yeah. I said, no, I can't do it because I got to go to France with Fabrice Tiozo. Right. He's going to defend his world title. Next week I'll be in London with Audley Harrison. And I called my wife and I let her know I got offered, but I can't do it. She goes, are you crazy? He goes, Rocky's an American icon. You have to do it, right? <laughs> so I'm negotiating with Audley Harrison, and I delete it. And I said, look, I hope you understand between our last conversations and now. Because I was going. We were making arrangements. Right. I said, I got offered to be in the Balboa movie. I hope mm-hmm. you understand. And they did. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I turned it down. But, uh, yeah, there's been some that just, you know. If not, not so much economics, but personalities. Well, that's yeah. why I asked. Yeah, you exactly. Know. Yeah. You know, cause I'm not, I'm not the loud kind of guy and, you know, I'm not, yeah, that's just not my nature. Yeah. And cause I would imagine, I mean, for you, le- legendary. I mean, cut man, you're number one in everyone's list when it comes to that. So I imagine you get asked all the time and knowing the guy that you are, I mean, you probably say yes more times than no, just because that, you know, you're, you know, not just because you want to work, but you're that guy. Yeah. But I, I gotta imagine that you know, you're you're wanted by so many different fighters, and a lot of times the time just doesn't allow it. Your schedule yeah. does, doesn't allow it. And but uh, yeah, from a character standpoint, that's why I asked the question because I could see you. You know, whether it's someone who's you know obnoxious, abra- uh, you know, abrasive, that sort of thing. You 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 don't, you don't want to be around that. No, that's not my yeah, that's, yeah. I don't do that. Well, even like uh, Shane Mosley Jr. when I worked his yeah. last fight. Um, I gave him a major, major discount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, just give me enough money because my wife and I are going to Southern California and yeah. we'll be in LA. Just give me some spending money over the weekend. 
you know. Uh, so I didn't charge him anything close to what I, because uh, sometimes it's not about the money. Sure. It's about, you know, personalities and, and, uh. And relationships too. Well, yeah, that's yeah. it. And, and the reason why you're giving back is during the, uh, filming of the, my documentary, uh, Boxer's Nightmare. I, when I worked this first fight, when he fought Gabe Rosado, I, See him two weeks later and he comes down from the ring. He's at Bones Adams gym and he said, Hey man, I just want to let you know my wife and I were talking about how good we felt you working with us and this and that. And, and you know, we've never heard the emotions of a wife and she was pregnant at that time. And, uh, but they spoke very highly and I said, Well, God, listen, can we get you your information? Can we interview you for the documentary? Mm-hmm. And they did. So that's how I. You know, I think I only charged him like 300 bucks, man. You know, that was nothing. That's just, that's just weekend money. That's all it was. Right. But, but it's good to give back. Right. You know, and, uh, mm-hmm. so, and then there's another Jamie Mitchell, a young girl that's fighting for a world title. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just asked me the other day, you know, mm-hmm. how much do you charge her? Well, cross that bridge when we get to it. Right. Cause I know she's not making a lot of money. Yeah. You know, it's not about that sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's about, uh, helping people out and giving back and, you know, yeah. uh, my mom always said, you know, you give something, you get it back 10 times. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can tell you, I know this yeah. man. The personal experience that that you've gone to sacramento before and and didn't charge you know yeah. fighters what you normally charge and this and that because you, Give back. you, you you're giving back yeah so yeah. like i told him i don't make my money off of you guys but, right you know but just keep me in mind for the you know the future fights but right? i can tell you what these young fighters they got i got stitch in my corner like i mean that's like hey i just want the selfie of that you know i got stitch in my corner you know he's wearing my robe oh that happened it's a big uh, deal man to, for these fighters well two weeks ago i did a show mma show in jacksonville florida uh and it was part of the documentary to get some footage yeah but i i wrapped nine fighters hands tc four of them were amateurs and the other five were pros with minimal fights they were all excited man you know yeah. just yeah stitch wrapped my hands and stitch worked my corner mm-hmm. and you know so it's those are memories that they have forever that uh i'm glad to be part of absolutely you know what we need here okay here we go and more self uh you know pr- uh, selfish uh, promotion here bring the cameras in here you know this is a part of you oh, as we well should. too oh, yeah. you we bring, br- bring yeah. the cameras in yeah. you know let's yeah. go whether it's a uh, location or here or whatever you know Stitch Durant's, he's awesome on the mic. Part of the documentary, baby. Hey, well, if maybe we should do it, huh? Yeah, I'm down. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. As long as you don't tell me I'm 84 years old now. Huh? Yeah. I will not. I, I'll never forget you, that. You're, six, you're 62. bad with his math. You know, yeah, there it is. Yeah. 62, right? Yeah. I'll take that. Okay. Oh, my goodness gracious. Huh? Edward James almost. I still loved him. Probably my favorite movie. I mean, Stan Deliver was awesome and everything. But did you remember the baseball movie when he was the scout for the for the Angels? You ever no, see that movie? No, I don't think so. Oh man, we got to oh. go back. look that one up again. Wow. Why, why am I uh, drawing a blank? It's a great baseball movie. Huh. I think it came out. I want to say in the nineties. Yeah. Wow. Look it up. Now. Which one? Edward James almost. He was. It was. He was a baseball scout for the Angels, and it was based off of a true story, yeah. which was pretty cool. And he was fantastic in this, and um, it's one of my favorite baseball movies. And he did a fantastic job. Huh. And. Uh, yeah, I think the only thing that, that uh, talent for the game, talent for the game, ninety one, ninety one. See, yeah, you got to go get, check it out. I Stitch. will. I'll check it yeah. out. You're good, man. You, you, know you, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna say, "That's me." There it is. <laughs> yeah. You almost got a spit take from him. I did. Yeah, I know. I, know. I oh, almost could have got. I'm check. Where's the spit bucket? I Come know. on, <laughs> Stitch. Don't you bring your own spit bucket? Yeah. <laughs> I know. You almost made me choke on that. Oh. I'm drinking water here. <laughs> oh, we almost had it. You're yeah. a sports guy. You're a baseball. You'd like this movie. 
Yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll take a look at Go it. Go check yeah. it out and, yeah. and, and let me know. But uh, yeah, I could I could see you in in, in in this movie, man. I can see it. I tell you, the first time I met him was during the UFC, right? I knew he was going to be at the MGM because him and Anderson Silva were doing the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the back wrapping uh, fighters' hands, and one of the UFC staff says, "Hey, man, Edward James Olmos wants to meet you." Yeah. I said, "Wow, I want to meet him." Yeah. I finished wrapping. I go down the hall. I turn the corner. They got the big green screen here uh, for the fighters. Yeah. They take pictures before and after the fight, and he's there waiting for me. And we look at, like, I'm looking at you and we start laughing. Same thing, bro. <laughs> Same thing, man. And I ended, you know, do it, having a small part in, in this independent movie of theirs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, from there, we became friends. Good stuff, man. Yeah. All right. He is uh, Stitch Duran and uh, he'll be at the MGM Grand uh, Saturday night. Uh, he'll be in the ring uh, with the, the Mahoney's. But then the main event is Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko. Looking forward to that. Brother, always appreciate you uh, stopping by, man. I know it's a busy week for you and everything, so appreciate you taking the time. Nah, anytime. You know, whenever we're hanging out and doing shop talk with uh, T.C. Martin, can't get no better than that, man. My guy, Stitch Duran. All right, we come back. Scott Sprites is going to join us. We'll talk a little handicapping the NBA playoffs. Stitch, you've been following the NBA? No. Watching the playoffs? Uh, unless they put two gloves on, I That's it? don't follow them, bro. Okay. So, uh-uh. I mean, you know. Hey, these, these NBA players, they can't fight, man. Yeah. They try to fight. On, they and, can't fight. And it's funny, Max, uh, Max uh, what's his name? The Kellerman? Or who you don't, who? Uh, the Max, guy from the Raiders. Uh, Max Crosby. Yeah, Max Crosby. Yeah. So he's at, at his training center. So they want me to wrap his hands because he's doing pad work. Uh, and I went into the training center, Raiders training center. Beautiful. And wrapped his hands and uh, made him feel like a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, Stitch Duran, appreciate you, brother. We'll Thank see you, you real soon. Anytime. Uh, all right, back out of here on this thunderous Thursday. Give me a little Carlos Santana. of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Of course, you are a character. Doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. All right. Very, very busy weekend here in Las Vegas. Looking forward to Haney and Lomachenko. Appreciate Stitch Duran joining us. That interview, along with others, will be up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Don't forget, tomorrow at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook. Al Bernstein will join us tomorrow as we uh, continue on. Go from Tim Bradley to Stitch Duran to Al Bernstein, all getting their take and their thoughts on Haney and Lomachenko. All right, we continue on here, and uh, we got NBA to talk about now because uh, coming off a very impressive performance last night by the Miami Heat, victorious over the Boston Celtics, uh, another time where the Celtics do not show up and get beat down on their home floor. And then tonight we've got game number two, the Nuggets and the Lakers. And join us now, the one and only Scott Spritzer. What is up, homie? Well, you know, it's mid-May, so of course I've been shooting NFL videos all day. That's that's what we're doing because it's mid-May. <laughs> <laughs> Over-under wins totals, baby. <laughs> Scott, what is more crazy, okay, that you're shooting NFL videos or that we have a PGA championship being uh, uh, taken uh, taken on here in New York in the middle of May. Explain that to me. 
I'm not the biggest golf guy. I do have a matchup that I played, usually average about one matchup a week, and I did play it and talk to a lot of brilliant golf minds out there in the handicapping world and, and take some of their info and try to put it to good use. And, and uh, so I am involved in one particular matchup, but I have to admit I've had no chance to watch it. But you're right, you know, championship in golf, it's called a championship in the middle of May. I, I get it. It's almost, you know, well, like the NFL in May, at least. The thing about the NFL, the NFL is king. So everybody loves the NFL, no matter what time of year it is. Well, you have you you've been along as, as around as uh, long as I have, man. And it's just so strange. You know, we know the golf order, right? I mean, we know what the golf order normally is. Okay, it's the Masters, it's uh, the U.S. Open, the British Open, and then the PGA Championship is at the end of the year. It's like August or September. <laughs> and then remember, a couple of years ago, they put this thing in. In May, I mean, it's like right. I, it, it's hard. I mean, yeah, what championship is it? I mean, what are we doing? It's the championship of that week, man. I mean, it's yeah. like, but I agree. I mean, it should. I, I, I'm with you. I think it should come at the end of the season, your last major. But instead, yeah. here it is. You know, three months before we're at the end of the season, and they're already playing the championship, so to speak. So, listen, I, I the only really tournament that I just focus in on. And and it's because the start time, and you know me, is the British Open. Right. Because, you know, I get to start watching that at 11 o'clock at night when I'm working right up until morning, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the one I'm most interested in. But I do, I handicap it every week. I come up with about one matchup per week. But as far as the PGA Championship, yeah, it's too early in. It shouldn't be played in the spring. Come on. Yeah, let's put Wimbledon while we're at it in January. Let's do that. That makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Super Bowl in August. What do you want? Oh, I can't figure it out. <laughs> I can't figure it out. All right, man. I want to talk with you about these uh, NBA playoffs, and I want to talk about the totals. And I know that you had uh, the over an easy winner in Game One between Denver and the Lakers the other night, one thirty two, one twenty six. You you have to love games like that, huh? When when you got the over. Oh, it was great. I mean, it was you know it, it, I think there was like seven or eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And I was texting back and forth with another better here in town. And he goes, what did you end up on tonight? Did you go upside or total? I go, no, I, go, I actually ended up on the total. I go, I think I got a chance to get there. I need one more point with seven and a half minutes to go. Yeah, right. And so, you know, it's kind of nice when you know that, you know, you're like mid-third quarter and you know you're going to uh, get the over unless they, you know, have to postpone the game in the middle of it. <laughs> right. And, you know, I had the over again last night. I just thought there were two really good spots to back the over. And in both instances – we saw that total climb throughout the course of game day. Mm-hmm. 123, 116 last night. So we get 258 points uh, in Denver and, and the Lakers in their game one. And then uh, we do the math there last night. Scott, what, what did we end up with? What, uh, two, uh, 239, right? I mean, right. well, well over. How much have the books adjusted to these higher totals? Because we have seen this a lot during the regular season and you know conventional wisdom in the past has always told you well you know you get unders you know in in the in the postseason and i don't know what it is you you probably do um i'm sure you do of what the uh, percentages is and the numbers of overs versus unders so far in the nba playoffs but have the books uh adjusted much you know with this high scoring yeah, I mean, they have for the most part. I mean, game one in a series, a lot of times you'll see, you know, both teams flying up and down the court. I mean, like the Lakers and Nuggets, you know, the Lakers didn't want to sit around in game one and play a slow-paced game. They're one of the faster-paced teams uh, in the postseason. And the, the Nuggets, of course, will oblige, and that's what they did. Now, 
what we've seen with this total, you know, this total and the uh, total tomorrow, you know, both totals open five points higher than what they opened in game one. I, I kind of think they're overreacting tonight a little bit now, and I'll tell you about that and why I think that in just a bit. But when you look at, you know, as far as the Lakers are concerned, they're, and this is one of the reasons I like the over in game one until adjustments are made, but they're nothing special in half-court offensive sets. Uh, they know it, and it's why they've been playing at a fast pace since building up this roster a few months ago. Uh, Denver went into that game with the best transition offense of the four remaining playoff teams. And these teams had met five times post-bubble, uh, and they topped the total that was set on uh, in game one. They topped that 222 five times, all five times they met in that in that time span. They averaged over 236 points per game against each other in those five games. So it was just a lot to go into that. And I looked at the, the total, and it was like, you know, again, 222, and noticed that uh, as far as the Nuggets are concerned, their home games, which were averaging 230 points per game the last 65 times, that there was a total set from 220 to 229.5. And that total, again, was like 222.5. Now it's been adjusted. It was as high as 227.5. So all of a sudden, that big wiggle room on the over kind of goes away. Uh, but I just thought there was plenty of opportunities and reasons to play that game over. I, I thought that number was, I don't want to say ridiculously low, because I you know, admire and respect most of the sports book uh, personnel that I've met over the years, but it was. It was just very low for an opening game in a series. All right, uh, last night Miami defeats Boston 123-116. Miami leads the series now one game to none and Boston loses again on their home floor in this uh this postseason. You know, Boston built a 13-point lead and it looked like okay, they just may may cruise to victory, but then again it was in the second quarter. Miami just came out in the second half, Scott, and just put it to them, outscoring Boston 46 to 25 in the third. Jimmy Butler, fantastic. Again, uh, 35 points for him, uh, five rebounds, seven assists. Uh, this Miami team has looked phenomenal. I've said it during the course of the season. They're not your typical number eight seed. This is a team that was there last year, and Jimmy Butler is not going to allow this team uh, to, to lose. And even though they may uh, not have as deep a personnel as the Celtics and some of the other teams here. I just love the way this team plays. And, you know, I firmly believe that they have the best coach uh, that's remaining in the postseason and Eric Spolstra and Boston has the worst. And coaching means a lot. And when you see Boston, the way they continue to just – uh, not be able to hold leads. Uh, they will go in these long scoring droughts. They are so relying on the three. Uh, it's just a hard team to watch. So me personally, and I did have Miami last night. Uh, I'm just, I, I would love to see Miami, you know, pull this thing off. I don't know if they can or not because Boston can, you know, they can run it up with the best of them, but, uh, we got ourselves a series here. Yeah. Boston's got the best personnel in, in, in all of the NBA. There's no doubt about it. They're yeah. the only team this entire season that finished top five in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. But as you mentioned, they're hamstrung at the coaching position. And I'm with you. Eric Spoelstra, to me, is the best NBA coach over the last decade. I think he proves it every single season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with these, you know, the uh, changes that are made, the adjustments that are made for game two. I mean, Boston had everything going their way. They're up nine at the break. And then, of course, they had the horrible third quarter. And we saw, you know, solid adjustments made by Spoelstra and the Heat. 
after halftime, and we saw Boston just kind of doing what they did in the first half and not changing things up as they uh, lost the lead and fell behind. And again, that falls on the coach. I, I wouldn't be jumping in on Miami. I know that number's crazy, uh, but you know when you win a game as an underdog in the playoffs, and we're going back about 20 years, when you win a game as an underdog and you were down in that game by at least nine points at halftime, the numbers are heavily stacked against you over the course of the last 20 years when it comes to winning outright and even covering the spread. In fact, those teams are like 33% against the spread next time out, which would go against Miami. Not saying you go out and you lay all those points with Boston because Miami has been, you know, just squashing all kinds of trends and angles this postseason for a team that comes in as low rated as they are as far as their seat is concerned and that are able to take care of business. Boston's a funny team, man. I, I, I sat there and watched that game uh, where they lost at home uh, to drop down three games to two to Philly. I think it was game nine five. days ago on a yep, or yep, game, on game yep, five. Yep. And, I, and they lost that game to drop down three games to two, and they just looked like they didn't even belong in the postseason. Then they come out and they change things around. They insert Williams into the starting lineup, and they completely you know, shut down the Sixers over the final two games, including – in Philly. Now, part of that had to, maybe had something to do with Doc Rivers and his extreme troubles when it comes to Game 7s that cost him his job. But again, this is a real tough NBA league-wide spot that Miami is in for Game 2. So I, I might like, I haven't made a bet yet. I might look at the total. If I play a side, it would be Boston. I just haven't decided if I'm jumping in yet. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, all of the, everything uh, definitely points to Boston. And the only thing that concerns me about Boston, I mean, again, when you look at Jason Tatum, you know that he can go off for 40 or 50 any given night. Marcus Smart, you know, can can do the exact same thing. And again, they are rock solid. But you know, with their offense, they're so reliant on the three. They don't have a whole bunch of movement. It's it's a little bit scary. And I think a guy like Spolstra, even though he does doesn't you know have maybe the talent to match up you know man for man with these guys, but he does have Jimmy Butler. Uh, ben Adebayo is has been fantastic, especially you know last night. And here's what, what I like about about Jimmy Butler, Scott, and in Spolster as well too. So many times we hear coaches and even players just in that mindset say, "Well, hey, you know, we got one. We were aiming to get a split, especially when you're the underdog and you don't have home court advantage." Miami isn't saying that, and Denver doesn't say that either. What I love about both of these teams and their players and their camps is like they want to win every game and they expect to win every game. And I just go back to Jimmy Butler, you know, before this series started, he was just so serious. He goes, There's unfinished business going back to last year. And we know what they're all about, but we got a damn good team ourselves. And and we're not scared of anybody. And then in the post game last night, they wanted to basically get him to say, well, hey, you've stolen home court advantage now. And he goes, we got one more to get on Friday night. He goes, we want to yeah. win. win every game when we step on the floor. And he goes, and we want to get to four as quickly as we can. The exact same thing that Michael Malone said, the coach of the Nuggets. I love that mentality, but it's not the mentality that, you know, we heard from LeBron James and the Lakers, you know, during their Golden State series. Yeah, it's, it's you know, that's the whole Spolstra and Jimmy Butler thing, man. They just come out to win. They don't believe, hey, we got one. Uh, let's rest up our stars and get them at home, you know, splitting the series, you know, 1-1 one, one through the first yeah. two. And Jimmy Butler has been so incredibly confident, you know, before yesterday's game when he came out and he said, it's our year. You know, this is our year there to win go. it all. Right. You know, and he, the one thing they had is three days off for everybody to heal up. 
But besides Butler, the second key to that team is, as you mentioned, Adebayo. I mean, what he's done has has really helped Miami get over the loss of Harrow, you know, who has been out for a while now and going to remain out. They missed his, or I thought they were going to miss his deep perimeter shooting. And Adebayo comes along and he's like, you know, whatever, next man up. And he's taking a bunch of shots and he's making enough to really be a thorn and opposing team side. So, yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. It's like I, you want to play Boston here. It's a real bad spot for the NBA, for NBA teams that are in the situation Miami's in. But at the same time, you got Butler, you got Adebayo, who's picked up his game. You've got Spolstra, who's the best coach in the NBA, going up against a coach that looks lost sometimes. Yeah. And that's the shame of it. If you're a Boston fan, you have the best personnel. Uh, you should not be struggling down 3-2 to Philly and have to win final two games, including one on the road. You should not lose game one when you're up nine at the half to Miami. If you had a legitimate head coach with experience, things are different, I think, for Boston, and they're the favorite to win it all. Now, of course, after losing game one, they are not. But, yeah, I mean, it's tough, you know. And as far as tonight's game, it'll be interesting to see. You know, this was almost – I'm watching that game the other night, Lakers and Denver – and Denver's having no trouble at all for three quarters, basically, with the Lakers. And I'm thinking, you know what, if, if the Lakers do what they've done in their previous couple of series where when things aren't going well for them and it looks like there's not much of a chance to come back and win a game, they've been kind of resting LeBron, they've been resting AD, and letting these guys get back in, in game shape to come out and play the next game and put out their best effort and play 40-plus minutes. Some said that they can, you know, I could take the Lakers as an underdog in Denver if they get blown out here and AD gets 35 minutes and LeBron gets 30-31 because they're out of the game. Well, what happened was when they made that big comeback and got back within three, their stars are out there having to work their butts off to the very last tick of the clock and buzzer of the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, I'm like, they didn't get that normal rest that they get when they're losing postseason games. Are they going to be able to come back as well in a couple of days in the high altitude and play like they have so far when they're coming off a loss of the postseason. I ended up playing the under tonight. I got under 227. I thought that there was too much of an adjustment. I ended up staying away from the Lakers as far as the side is concerned. One thing that they've done, TC, is when they lose in the postseason this year, they don't attempt to turn it up on the offensive end. They clamp down on the defensive end. That becomes their focus, and they've held – their opponents to 96 points per game on 36% shooting, including 30% three-point shooting when they're coming off a loss in that very next game. And so I think you're going to see the Lakers, they got to slow things down a little bit. They found out they can't score, can't allow Denver to score 125 or so and win this series. So I think they'll slow it down a little bit, and I think they'll really focus on defense trying to slow down the Nuggets. That's a that's a good that's a smart bet, Scott. I mean, under 227, it makes a lot of sense for all the reasons that you you just said. And I'm going to caution people that you know, uh, we, people love the bounce back or the zigzag theory in, in this situation. I'm just going to caution them because, you know, Denver's a different beast, okay? Denver is 7 and 0 at home in these playoffs. They're 41 and 7 including this regular season and the postseason. And this team, there is a huge home court advantage, uh, not just because you got Jokic and you've got Murray and now Murray's back playing to, to the Jamal Murray that we've seen a couple years ago, but you know, in the altitude, like you mentioned, but you know, people talk about the Lakers defense and everything, but they're not stopping Jokic. I mean, Jokic, 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists. And this is, 
I'm not saying he puts these type of numbers up every night, but this is why this guy is the real MVP. And now you got Jamal Murray. He's he goes for 31. The Denver Nuggets had six double-digit scores against this vaunted Lakers defense. They shot 55% from the floor. They shot uh what 15 for 32 from, from three-point land. And they're just so dangerous at home. It would not surprise me at all. It, I'm not saying the Denver's gonna blow them out. Maybe they don't even cover the five tonight, but if I got to play this game, I'm playing the Nuggets. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go against this team who just does not lose at home. Yeah, I'm sorry, Kendrick Perkins, but uh, Jokic is the best player in the NBA. <laughs> He's the MVP of this league. And what Denver did is they went out and they built extremely well around him. And they got unselfish players knowing that he's going to be the star. And your job is to go out there and be a great player as far as a role player is concerned. And, you know, you still have players who can go out there and score 25, 30 points on a given night, uh, but they know that it's Jokic who leads the way. The one thing the Lakers did, and it, I don't know if it coincided with Denver letting off the gas a little bit or if he really bothered Jokic in the second half is they put Hachimura on Jokic, and Jokic was just tearing apart AD. All of a sudden, Hachimura moves over and starts – defending Jokic and his you know points per possession went down and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm not foolish enough to think that one guy making a change is going to all of a sudden slow down Jokic and he's going to be held to 18 to 20 points and seven or eight rebounds. Jokic will get his. He'll figure out a way to take it to Hachimura. It was just, I think, that initial uh, situation where he was prepared to go up against AD and others and all of a sudden he had to switch his game a little bit. So it was a smart move, by the way, by the Lakers coaching staff, no doubt about that, to see what Jokic would do. Uh, but I think he'll, Jokic is smart enough and skillful enough to overcome one player on another team holding him down, and I think he'll be just fine. I'm hoping he holds him down a little bit. I hope the pace slows down because I do need that under 227. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like you said, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I'll take the Lakers plus the points, and then you know, if they get blown out here. But once they got back in it had to exert all that energy, yeah. I'm like, man, I, I can't play him here at, my, at, at five and a half. I just got to, you know, I'm taking this, the uh, total, and I'm staying away from the side. And here's another thing, too. Denver out-rebounded the Lakers 47 to 30 in that game number one. Sure. And, and, you know, we heard so much from Darvin Ham saying, Oh, yeah, you know, that, uh, we're going to do some things. We're going to, uh, you know, front him down low in the bat. We're going to do these things. We're going to double team him, you know, things that he's not, he hasn't seen before. And I laughed. I'm going, this guy has been an MVP level for how many years? Three, four years now. He's seen everything. I mean, right. night in and night out, he sees, you know, guys double teaming him, triple teaming him, you know, uh, you know, forcing him and, and, and picking. I mean, it's just, they, he's seen it all. And then he, what's he do? 34, 21 and 14. So right. I, I'm, I'm impressed with him. No question. I'm impressed with this team. And, you know, we'll see how the series, uh, plays out. All right. Scott, I appreciate the time as always, man. Great stuff. Uh, knock him dead this weekend from the, from the hoop, from the baseball side and, you know, whatever else that uh, you're playing out there. Hey, I just want to mention real quickly, because I just saw it before uh, I came on the air because I was doing videos today. Congrats on the Hall of Fame. That's awesome stuff, TC, and I'm, I'm glad to have been around to see it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate that. And, and like I said earlier, it's uh, 
I got to thank uh, a lot of great program directors, general managers, uh, you know, board ops, producers, and guests. I mean, guests like yourself who have been with me for, you know, so many of those years uh, that, you know, I, I, I don't call- know if you would have got there without me and Marco. That's I, I, really a, I, I know, right? And no, Chuck, you know, throw that in there too. Exactly. Now you sound like the seven footer. You know, he wants to take credit. No, I'm just, I, but I'm serious about that because as you know, man, you've, you've done this uh, yourself, you know, and uh, sometimes, you know, you're as good as your guests. And uh, I appreciate you and, and, and everybody that uh, that's that's had a role in uh, in this. So I appreciate oh, you. Oh, congrats, man. You deserve it. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Go go uh, knock him dead. We'll be rooting for uh, uh, a lot of turnovers and uh, missed shots tonight in the uh, in the Denver Laker game. I'm with you, man. Take care. <laughs> Take care. There he is. Scott Spritzer. Go to DocSports.com. Subscribe to Scott's plays. He's fantastic. He is outstanding, as you know, DocSports.com. All right, so I want to thank a lot of people, uh, of course, today joining us, Stitch Duran in the house, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, Chris Bazio, Scott Savloff, and, of course, Scott Spritzer for joining us. Miss any part of the show, you know where to go. Go to the website as well, too, at tcmartinshow.com. Check out the interviews and everything else that's up there. Numbchuck, we're back at it tomorrow. Do we have to? Yeah. You're here. I'm at the Westgate. We're going to have a good time at the Westgate. Al Bernstein joins us tomorrow at the Superbook. Have a good one. Catch you manana.